Good morning and welcome. Y'all started to clap. I didn't mean to cut that off. Can we just clap for Jesus a little bit? I don't, I don't want to cut that off because I get, I get pretty jacked up about all this Jesus stuff. It just, it fuels me. So I think Jesus could, Jesus could deserve some applause just about every time we gather together. Hey, uh, if I hadn't got a chance to meet you yet, my name's Brian. I'm the teaching pastor here at Fusion City Church. And uh, I get an opportunity a lot of weeks to, to stand up here. And, and if, again, if you're you're just doing this for the first time today, man. We're just gonna we're gonna look into to God's word. We're gonna see what what it is that He has for us specifically today, and how we believe that God wants to change us today in response to His word. Today's kind of a special day for us. Um, last week we spent some time uh, looking, at, kind of in the year in review for 2015, and celebrating some of the things that God had done, some of the things that we learned together in 2015. And I told you guys, if you come back today, uh, that we would look a full force into what we believe God is calling us into in 2016. And so uh, this is, again, a special time for us. Every year uh, we do, um, if you from kind of a church background, uh, you're probably familiar with church membership. Uh, we do that a little bit differently at Fusion City Church. We don't have members. We have partners um, because partners get rights and responsibilities, whereas members just get rights. And we want all of us to know that all of us who, who partner together, that we all have some rights, that we all have, a, we all have a part to play, we all have a purpose to fulfill, but we also have some responsibilities um, as partners together in this ministry that God has called us to as Fusion City Church. And so every year what we do is all of us, even the pastors, our partnership with Fusion City Church becomes null and void December 31st. Nobody's, none of you are partners of Fusion City Church right now. Not yet. So we renew it every single year because here's what we're asking you to do. Every year we want you to commit. All right, this year, like 2015, I was a partner of Fusion City Church and God did great things. Now in 2016, I'm committing again that in 2016, I'm going to commit to and be a partner of Fusion City Church. And so at the end of this month, after we finish this teaching series, we'll have your partnership commitment agreement sheets that we all signed last year to become partners. That's all going to take place at the end of this series. And you'll have an opportunity once again uh, to become partners of Fusion City Church. Now, just because you don't officially have the title, we still appreciate y'all hanging out with us and partnering with us um, until we have a chance to, to sign the papers. All right, so just know that that's coming up. That's how we do it. It's a little bit different. What we've seen in the past is a lot of churches that get, they got members from 40 years ago that they haven't seen in 39 years. You know what I'm talking about? And so it just, it's irrelevant. And so we want it to be fresh and anew every year. So every year we wipe the slate and we all commit together that in 2016, we are going to be Fusion City Church. And so I look forward to all of you, I hope, uh, committing again this year to be partners of Fusion City Church. Now, if we're going to be partners together, if we're going to embark on a journey together, if we're going to try and accomplish something together, we have to figure out what that thing is. And so we talked a lot about this last year. In 2015, we said the thing that we want to be at the end of 2015 is stronger. And that was the term that defined our year. And so this year is, is, is no different. We have something that's going to define how we're going to accomplish the vision that we believe God has given us. Before I get to our, our theme or the focus that's going to define our year, I want to start with the vision of Fusion City Church. So when you came in today, you have something pretty cool. We're really excited about these. You had a book. It uh, looks like this. 
And I told you I'm not going to tell you what the theme is, but if you're pretty intuitive, you can probably figure it out because it's printed right on the front of the book. All right. But before I officially unveil it, all right, we're going to look at together at the vision of Fusion City Church together. Uh, so if you have the book, and you should because there was one in every seat. If you can't find it, ask your neighbor for help. Um, if you'll turn to page 1.1, 1.1. This is the vision statement of Fusion City Church. So here's what vision is. Look at me for a minute. Y'all are looking at your books. Look at me for a minute. Let me define vision for us. Vision is a preferred future. When I look to the future, I see a picture of the church that I believe, that we believe, that, that we as partners of Fusion City, as we as pastors of Fusion City and volunteers of Fusion City, that's the picture that we see. So each of our vision statement terms start with the phrase, I see. All right, so let's, let's look together at this preferred future that we believe God is calling us to be as a church. I see a church that connects every man, woman, and child with their Savior. I see a church fused. See what we did there? Fusion city. All right, so I see a church fused with a city creating a life-giving movement for the cause of Jesus Christ. I see a church whose heartfelt worship touches heaven and changes earth. I see a church so dependent on the Holy Spirit that nothing will stop it nor stand against it. A church whose people are so compelled by God's presence that nothing is held to be impossible. I see a church that has a message so clear that lives are changed forever and potential is fulfilled through the power of his word. I see a church so compassionate that people are drawn from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. Anybody else like to be accepted? Yeah, I like that. I see a church so kingdom-minded that they will count whatever the cost and pay whatever the price to see revival sweep this land. I see a church who is so committed to leaving a legacy of faith by empowering, training, and equipping a leadership generation through gospel-centered discipleship that the impact of the church grows greater with every generation that passes. Here's what that means. This isn't the best version of our church. That the best version of our church will be after we're all long gone and the next generation takes over if we accomplish this vision. I see a church whose selfless generosity is unrivaled in its reach and depth. I think the church should be the most generous organization on the planet. I see a church whose head is Jesus, whose help is the Holy Spirit, and whose focus is the Great Commission. That is the vision statement of Fusion City Church. And I think we're doing some great things to accomplish that vision. I think we're well on our way and we're on the right path, but we ain't there yet. We got a lot left to do. 
And so what we want to do in in 2016 to further realize the vision that we believe God has given us as a church, if we want to accomplish all those things, if we want our generosity to be unrivaled, if we want our legacy of faith to be so strong that the next generation is going to make this church even better, if we want to be a church who is so compassionate that people are drawn from impossible situations, if we're going to be a church whose worship touches heaven and changes, if we're going to be all of those things, It's going to require us to make a commitment to do something in 2016. And here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do in 2016. We're going to be the kingdom. We're going to be the kingdom. So now here's here's something kind of cool about these books. They're not just... um, they're a lot thicker than they were last year, if you remember. So in the beginning, in the front half of it is everything that we are as Fusion City Church. When you have your opportunity to sign that partnership agreement in a few weeks, um, all of the information that you need to know about who we are, about how we're structured, about what we believe, and about all the things that we believe God is going to do for us is all in that first section, section number one. What I love about these books is we want you to keep them all year. So this is your book. Take it with you when you leave today. And so for every single week of the year that we're going to have church here in this place or some other place, depending on whatever the future holds for 2016, we have a section for notes for you to take. So you don't have to grab a connection card and program. If you don't want one, you're still welcome to. But um, so if you'll turn with me to page 2.1, beginning in section two, the first page, you'll find January 10th. Y'all know what today is? Today's January 10th. See how we did there? Made it easy for you. You don't even have to remember the date. We put it, you don't have to write it down. We put it in there for you. This today is your page for taking notes for everything that we talk about today. And so what kind of the idea behind this book and keeping it all year long is that when we get done with 2016, you can put this book on your shelf if you so choose. And then you get to a point, like a, a stuck point in 2017 or 2018. And you're like, no, there was this, there was this message that I remember somebody teaching, I, th- I think it was back in whatever year, you can go pull this book off of your shelf, turn to find that series, find that day, and read your notes from the day. We want this to be something that you keep and use, not only for 2016, but in the years to come, to remind yourself of all that God taught you in 2016. So we, we'd love for you to take advantage of using the books um, to record your, your notes from the messages, and, and we'll talk a little bit later about if, you, if you're already flipping ahead, you'll see there's some connect group stuff in there. We'll talk about that at the end of the service today. So let's talk a little bit about this, this, this focus that's going to define our year for 2016, this idea of what it means to be the kingdom. The, the, the word or the phrase or the thought of kingdom is laced throughout the entire Bible, I believe it could be the main theme of Scripture is the kingdom of God and the story of its king, Jesus. That, that's what the Bible is all about. As a matter of fact, um, I, I wrote down some, some stats and figures for those of you who like, like stats and figures. Uh, let's, read, let's look at these together. Uh, king or kingdom or the thought or the word Lord appears, uh, appears in 36 of 39 books in the Old Testament of 23 of 27 in the New Testament. That means out of 66 books in the Bible, 59 of them talk about the kingdom of God. The only three books in the Old Testament that don't include it are Ruth, Leviticus, and Joel. Uh, And in the New Testament, the book of Titus, and then 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John are the only four books that have nothing to say specifically about the, the term or phrase king or kingdom or Lord. 
Uh, the Old Testament words for king, kingdom, reign, or throne appear 3,000 times in the Old Testament and 160 times in the New Testament. Now, I did a little bit of research about that. The reason that the terms uh, king, kingdom, or reigning, throne didn't appear in the New Testament is because a lot of the, a lot of the New Testament is letters, correspondence between one person and a church or one person and other people. And if you wrote Jesus is king and everybody else thought that like Caesar was king, you could be arrested and killed. So the, the thought or the phrase or the, the teaching of kingdom is still in the New Testament. Just the word king or kingdom doesn't appear that much just for fear of being, I guess, imprisoned or killed. So the thought is there. I feel like I'm rushing. I got a lot of content to get through today. Y'all hang on. It's going to be an ADD morning. I feel it already. All right, so as we further explore this idea of kingdom, I want us to take a look specifically for just the sake of time, if nothing else, at what Jesus had to say about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. So look with me, if you would, at Acts chapter 1, and we'll look at verse 3. Now, here's what's going on. Jesus... Um, is, or I'm sorry, the book of Acts was written by the gospel writer Luke. So we have the gospel of Luke. Luke also wrote the book of Acts. And so in the, the gospel, in his gospel, Luke tells all about everything that Jesus did. His life, his death, his resurrection, the miracles, all that stuff is, in, is recorded for us in the gospel of Luke. And then volume two, like book number two for Luke is Acts. And now he's going to tell us, what that means. Everything that Jesus did, now what does it do? What does it mean? What does it look like? How does it manifest itself in the book of Acts? And in Acts, we see the beginning of what we now call the church. And so in Acts chapter 1, Jesus has just been resurrected. He has now appeared to some of his followers, and I want us to see what it is he was talking about. Look with me, Acts 1 verse 3. He presented himself, he being Jesus, alive to them after suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Here's what's going on. Jesus has been resurrected. For about 40 days, he walked among people after he was, he was dead, he's resurrected, he's walking around. All right, that's the, we'll get to that later. So he's walking around and he's talking to people. And what he's getting ready to do, he's, he's getting ready to tell them about this institution, this thing that he is going to create, this thing that he is going to be the head of that is going to reach all people in all places. We call it the church. He didn't use the term church this early, but that's exactly what he's getting ready to institute. Jesus is getting ready to initiate the church. And what's he talking to people about? Kingdom. There is a direct tie between church and kingdom. So much, in fact, that when, before Jesus ascends into heaven, verse 8 in Acts chapter 1 says this. Jesus tells them, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So he tells them about the kingdom. Then he gives them a mission, a mission that we would call to be the church. And then he's gone. So Jesus is walking around for 40 days. He tells them about the kingdom of God. 
He talks to them about the things concerning the kingdom. Then he gives them a mission to be what we would call the church, or I would say to be the kingdom. And then he's gone. And we'll talk extensively in week four of this series about our mission as the church and all this being witnesses and stuff. We'll talk about that in week four. But for today, I want to answer the question, what is the kingdom? Now, what is it? If we're supposed to be the church and being the church means that we're to be the kingdom, what, what is this, this kingdom that we're speaking of? Well, there are lots of teachings from Jesus, a lot of them found in the, the gospel book of Matthew, specifically in chapter 13. You can read all these parables or stories that Jesus told of the kingdom. And he starts a lot of them with this phrase, the kingdom of God is like, or the kingdom of God is related to, or this is how the kingdom of God is. And he tells them a story. And so we're going to look at one of those together this morning. It's called the, the parable of the weeds, if you're familiar with it. Uh, it's found in Matthew chapter 13. And we'll read together verses 24 through 30. And he, again being Jesus, put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. So here Jesus says the kingdom of God is compared to this. I'm going to tell you a story about what the kingdom of God is like. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat, and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds also appeared. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go And gather them, but he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. And so Jesus goes on, he tells another story, and he kind of has some other interactions. He's doing some more teaching. And then when, he, when the disciples get Jesus alone, maybe that night and he's been teaching all day or whatever, and now they're sitting down, they're having dinner, and they're kind of hanging out, Jesus and the disciples. And so the disciples say, hey, Jesus, that story about wheat and weeds, like, man, what's, what's that all about? Like, we don't get it. What I love so much about the disciples is they make me feel pretty good about myself. These dudes, not the smartest Dudes on the earth. Like they're like, Jesus, we don't get it. Can you explain it to us? And sometimes Jesus would just rebuke them for being dumb, which I kind of love that about Jesus too because you know, dumb people make me angry too. Um, but a lot of times he would just give them some insight. And so that's what he did. So let's skip down to verse 37 in Matthew 13. And Jesus, it says, he answered. He, he's just going to tell them what it's about. The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. Now now watch this, because we're going to draw something out of this right here. The harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are the angels. Verse 39. The harvest is at the close of this age. 
but, but I want us to remember that before the harvest, the kingdom was planted, right? It says that the son of man went out and sowed good seed. The enemy sowed weeds, but the harvest doesn't happen until the end of the age. Jesus said it. The harvest is the end of the age, which means until we get to the end of the age, the kingdom has been planted and is growing. Here's why I want us to see that. Because I meet a lot of Christians who are waiting for the kingdom. Just waiting. Heaven, we've heard the phrase kingdom of heaven. And so when I get to heaven, then I'll be in the kingdom. But now I'm just waiting. I'm just trying to get by. I'm just trying to make it. I'm just trying to persevere. I'm just trying to hold on tight enough so that one day I get to go to heaven and then I'll enjoy the kingdom. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said the kingdom has already been planted and is growing and at the harvest, then then some other stuff's going to happen at the end of the age, but the kingdom is here now. If you're looking for a note to take, if you want a big thought to take away from today, you can write that down. The kingdom is here now. Right now. Not later. Now. It's already here. See, this is, this is what happens for a lot of us, right? Check this out. We, we like to huddle and just protect ourselves and put ourselves in our own little bubble. And if I can just hold on long enough, then one day I'll get to heaven. But that is in no way, shape, or form how Jesus intended for the kingdom to exist now. The kingdom has a purpose. Like you, don't, you don't plant wheat just for the fun of planting wheat. You plant it because it has a purpose. There's something that there's a benefit from having the kingdom exist. Now, if, if God was waiting for all of us to just get to heaven one day, I think our world would operate completely differently than it does right now. But that's not the plan. The plan is for the kingdom to be doing something now. We have a purpose. We've got a mission. We've got something that we're supposed to be doing. Here's the problem. We're not the only thing growing. The kingdom is here, and it is now, but our kingdom, the kingdom of God, the, the, the kingdom that falls under the lordship and rulership of Jesus, we've got, some, we've got something else growing alongside of us. We've got some, we've got some weeds growing. Let me, let me set it up this way. I think maybe this will help you. It really helped me. This was like an, this was an epiphany for me. It happened Friday, and I came up with this analogy or, or, or connection in my head. When I think about Jesus as king and I think about king and kingdoms and, and what we don't, we don't have a king, right? We, we came out of a country that had a king. Us as Americans, we get a little bitter about the whole being under a king thing. We remember, well, we don't remember, we weren't there. But in like 1775, 76, like we, we got out from under the leadership of a king. So you talk to Americans about kings, we get a little antsy. So here's what I have to do. I have to take it way back further than like the king or queen of England. And, and I like to think like old school times. Now, when I was in the seventh grade, one of my favorite movies, still one of my favorite movies, was Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. As a matter of fact, I, uh, I used to take piano. My piano recital piece for uh, my seventh grade piano recital was Everything I Do, I Do For You by Brian Adams. 
Played it, played it at a seventh grade talent show at the middle school. Had all the little girls hanging around the piano. It was, oh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't quite like that. My wife is here. I can't tell. Anyway. So um, love, love, love the movie. So here's what I was thinking about this week. I'm thinking about how much the kingdom of God and us as Christians and as the church and us being the kingdom, I think it relates pretty closely to the story of Robin Hood. Check this out. The king is away. Y'all remember, anybody else see Robin Hood? Am I like, I got like 40 of y'all that are on the same page with me. The rest of y'all need to go rent it. Cool, cool story, not related to my message, trying to hurry. Um, when I got home Friday night, that movie was on TV. I just thought it was pretty, divine. God used that illustration. That was just God speaking to me through direct TV. So um, here it is. King is away, right? King Richard in the movie, he's away. So now there is a ruler who is over all of the people in Robin Hood's story. He and, the, and it's the evil sheriff of Nottingham, but he's kind of like the dude that's in charge. And so here you have these people who are still like, committed to and loyal to the king, but they are under the authority of an evil and corrupt ruler who oversees them. And so they're kind of, they have this, they're almost submitted to his authority and to his corruption, but they belong to a king who is going to one day return, whoop up on the evil corrupt king, kick him out, and then the king's going to be restored the way that it's supposed to be. You know what that sounds like to me? It sounds like Christianity. It sounds like the church. Jesus went away for a time. He still hasn't come back to establish his kingdom, but we still belong to the king. Meanwhile, we are under the corruption and leadership of an evil ruler of this world. Let me show you this. If you don't believe that our world is under that leadership, the Bible tells us that it is. Look with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. I'm, I'm skipping ahead a little bit. Just hang with me. I'm going to go back. Look at this. And even if our gospel is veiled... It is veiled to those who are perishing. That's the weeds. That they can't see it. In their case, look at this, look at this. The God of this world. You see lowercase g? It's not, that's not God. Uh, Father. Not God. Lower, lowercase little g. The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of big G God. You see that? The ruler of this world that we live in, evil Sheriff Nottingham. We are under the authority and influence of a God of this world. But we have a responsibility as believers, as those who are part of the kingdom, big G, God's kingdom, to continue to be the kingdom. So here's what I was trying to figure out this week. I was thinking about this. So if we as believers are Robin Hood, in this, or if we're like in the story, who, who would we be? So I kind of got to thinking about it. And um, since I'm the, the originator of this illustration, I thought about making myself Kevin Costner and Robin Hood. He kind of looks like that. But then I realized I don't look that good, and I'm more like this guy. That, that's that's, 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 that's kind of more who I feel like. Um, yeah, Jonah has that big, beautiful beard. I thought Jonah kind of looked like little John, right? <laughs> don't look like Jonah. Pastor Quinn, I love you, buddy, but I could only find one other bearded dude in the movie, and it was Friar Tuck. So, 
There's, there's Pastor, Pastor Quentin, I guess. It, it actually, actually kind of kind of alarmed me, kind of shook me a little bit as, as to really how, how closely our story relates. Because what, did, what was Robin Hood and his band of merry men up to? They were, they were trying to push back to fight against the corruption that was being enforced on the people because of the evil ruler who was over their little world. Does that sound anything like what we got going on right now? That, that's our role, church. We are the merry men called to push back the forces of evil in our world. Because there's going to come a day when the king's coming back. And the people who are going to get to continue to be in his kingdom were the people who were already in his kingdom the whole time and just wait on his return. Those who didn't succumb to the influence and authority of the evil ruler that was above them and over them. Because make no mistake about it. We exist simultaneously with the weeds, and they're growing. We've got a charge as a church, as a kingdom, to be the kingdom and to be the kingdom right now because it is here. And I believe that we're going to continue to see corruption and we're going to be continue to hear lies and we're going to continue to be influenced by the evil powers that are at work over us. And that's not a political statement. That's a spiritual statement because our enemy is not the American government. Our enemy is Satan, who is the ruler of this world until, until, until Jesus comes back and I can't wait to say it. Can't wait to see it. Excuse me. So here's what we got to know. The kingdom exists, but not, we, we are the kingdom. We are in the kingdom. It is here and it is now, but it is not in its fullness. And there's coming a day when the ruler is going to come back and then the kingdom will be everything that this book says it's going to be. So we, in our current condition, live in this kind of mentality. It's the already, but not yet. We're already in the kingdom, but we have not yet realized the full potential of what it means to be under the leadership of Jesus as our king, ruling and reigning here on earth. So our role now is to produce as much grain, as much fruit as possible. The Bible talks about those who are truly in Christ will produce much fruit. We need to be healthy wheat, healthy grain, producing much. That is our role. So that we begin to, the, the, the more that the grain grows, the, the more that the weeds will subside. There's only so many nutrients and so much that can be done to go around. So we have the opportunity to, to grow, to push, to be, to outproduce the I believe the wheat should outproduce the weeds. And if we're the wheat, we got a lot of work to do. Because here's, here's what I don't want. Here's what I don't want for me. And here's what I don't want for any of you. And when the end of the age comes... And the angels, who are the reapers, remember? And the angels are looking at you, or we'll use me. When the angels are looking at me, I don't want them to look at the elements and say, hey, is that wheat or is that a weed? I can't, like it kind of looks like it could be either or. 
Is that weed? I don't know, man. I mean, I don't think they're going to have that kind of conversation. I mean, it'll be pretty cut and dry, but just hang with me for the analogy, would you? I don't want there to be any doubt. I want to have produced so much fruit, so much grain, that there's no question in my life whether I was or was not wheat or weed, whether I was or was not in the kingdom, whether I was or was not being the kingdom when the king was away so that I get the fullness of joy of being under the king when he gets back. Amen? Boy, y'all are quiet today. It's bugging me a little bit. Like, I don't, like, like, is he, whatever. You get it. So here's two questions I want us to ask ourselves as we think through this and we try to figure out how to be the kingdom in the here and now of 2016. Two questions. How can I make my circle of influence look more like heaven and less like earth? Isn't that what Jesus taught us how to pray? Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our role as believers is to make earth look more like heaven and less like hell. We got a job to do. So we got to ask our question, how am I leveraging my circle of influence into the people that I interact with so that my circle looks more like heaven and less like earth? What am I doing to make that possible? Question number two. Am I submitting to the authority of the ruler of this world? In some circles, we call that conformity. Am I conforming to the ideals? And do I see myself beginning to identify more with the world than I do with the true king? Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We are no longer to conform to the pattern of this world, but to be changed by how we think and by what we do. So am I allowing myself to be influenced by the evil forces at work around me, or am I working to increase the influence of Jesus' kingdom in the here and now? So here's our mission for 2016, church. We're gonna be the kingdom. We're gonna expand the kingdom. We're gonna grow the kingdom, not for our glory, but for the king's glory. Somebody please say amen. Amen. All right, let's pray together. Father, We do love you and we thank you, God, that you have called us to accomplish great things in your name. God, I believe it. I believe that you want to do good stuff through us. And I believe that you have called us to look more and more and more like the the saints who are with you now already in heaven. God, you have called us to make our earth look more like heaven. So God, help us to do that. Because the influence is strong. We are under the authority and the influence of an evil ruler of this world. And though he is the ruler of God, he is not our king. You are. So God, help us. Help us to fulfill the mission that you've called us to, to be the kingdom. Help us to identify the things in our life that we need to make that happen. God, put people in our lives. Put people around us to help us accomplish this mission that you've put us on. Help us to embrace it, to not be scared of it, but to God, to stand in the face of adversity, strategically and intentionally push back 
against those things in our world that are not of you. God, I believe that when we do that, that we'll see your presence sweep through our lives in a way like we have never seen before. And God, that's just going to push us even harder to continue to live for, to honor, and to respond to you, our King. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for the sacrifice that you made so that we could be in a relationship with you and with your Heavenly Father. It's in your name we pray. Amen and amen.